Let's turn to Galatians, the book of Galatians, chapter 5. This is part 4 of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Part 4 of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not going to give a big recap because if I can, if I can, I will try to finish this today. If not, we will do one more after uh, our visitors away next week, the week after that. Galatians chapter 5, please. And verse 13. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. My brothers and sisters, I'm going to stop, start, just as I read this before we get into it. We are called into liberty in Christ. We have looked at it. But that liberty is not a license to sin. Now, hear me again. We are called into a liberty in Christ, but that liberty is not a license to habitually, continually sin or be in rebellion toward God, thinking we're liberated in Christ. We're under the blood. We're walking in grace. And yes, we are. But it is not to give an occasion for the flesh. For the law, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if thou bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. We have looked at this also. Those who are walking in the Spirit will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. We have looked at it where people say, oh, but it's the flesh, it's the flesh. And we all feel at times, yes. But the idea is walking means you're walking habitually. Not trying to improve nor put it to the side. Habitually walking in sin. If you have a temptation, you're going through a trial, then you need to walk in the Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we're going to look at the lust of the flesh again in a moment. For the lust of the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. In other words, you're in total opposition to what God wants to do in you, through you, with you. And the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. Now look at me, brothers and sisters. I may not be much to look at, but please look at me. Everyone, please. And let this get into our minds here this morning. You can't act the way it's put down here in the lusts of the flesh continually, habitually. You cannot do it if you're a spirit-filled believer. If you are doing it, then you're not a spirit-filled believer. It's as simple as that. So this is for all of us. We all must take this. And we all must see where we are with God. You cannot do that you would. There's no liberty or cloak to be able to do those things that we used to do. But if you be led of the Spirit, first of all, we have walk in the Spirit and I led off the Spirit. You are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, are shown forth, in other words, revealed. In other words, that which your flesh, that which you're being led by, that in which you're walking in, that will be revealed. People will see it. It's as simple as that. The true you. 
Are you a, a spiritful believer, the true you walking in the Spirit? Or are you saying you're walking in the Spirit, but you're living in the flesh? The true you will come out. And people will see it. There's nothing in our lives that are secret before God. Amen? Isn't that right? Nothing. Now, all of us have failed at this at some point, but some allow it to be used continually and habitually. And it must not be allowed to overcome us. Now, but if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, or many others, but these are those that are manifesting. Of the which I tell you before, in other words, Paul had to tell them about it before, and they're falling into the same trap. They're living like it again. Of the things I've told you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Isn't that the word of God to us this morning? Well, the church is living such in a cloak of liberty that they can live how they like, and they think they can treat one another how they like, and you can't. You're walking in the flesh, and if you're continually, habitually, the idea here is those who do such things, we've looked at it also, we spent some time on it, it means doesn't mean that if you fall once, you're never getting into heaven. That's not what it means. Or if you have a weakness and you're trying and you fell a few times, the idea is that you're continually in a state. You're continually living like this. You're continually allowing these things to come into your life, and you're not improving on it, as it were. You're not yielding it to God. You're not obeying the Word. You're not living under the power of the Spirit walking in the Spirit, led by the Spirit. He says, if you do such things continually, such shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, look, we've mentioned law twice here. Paul says in verse 18, but if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. And then he says again in verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh, or sorry, pardon me, verse 23, meekness, tamers, against such there is no law. And we have looked at this extensively. That the idea here is, is that, well, I'm under grace and I'm not under law and I can live how I like. But that's not what the meaning is. The meaning is that if you and I are able to be living with the fruit of the Spirit continually in our lives, then we would be the perfect keepers of the law. Because the, the Spirit, uh, the, the, the Spirit uh, being kept in our lives and keeping us in that and producing that fruit shows that we are keeping the law completely. And guess what? We've broken the law. So we're kept in Christ, and when Christ is in us, what are we to do but walk in the Spirit? What are we to do but be led by the Spirit? Why? That we will produce the fruit of the Spirit, and that will be the keeping or the perfecting of the law in our hearts. That's the idea of it. It's not we can do what we like. It's not we can live how we like and say what we like and act like what we like and get on how we like. Because we're under grace, we're not under law. Grace is not 
or license to sin, but grace is an empowerment to walk in righteousness. That's what it is. I was talking to someone this week just about the state of the church. Not our church in general, the church universally. But we're part of that. The way some Christians are living their lives. Church on a Sunday and living like devils the rest of the week. Professing Christ with their mouth, yet lying the rest of the week about their brothers and sisters. Living like the world, Monday to Saturday, and Sunday they put on their holy suit. Now the idea here is that if we, if we live in the Spirit and we are led by the Spirit, then we are fulfilling the law. And what God is doing is this. He is preparing a people. Now listen, brother, sister, this is important. God is preparing a people for his kingdom. Now listen, he's preparing a people for his kingdom. Make sure, make sure you're not living wrong. You're not acting wrong. You're keeping your spirit. You're keeping your mind. You're keeping yourself. Make sure you're not making lies and loving a life. Make sure you're living in righteousness. Make sure you are walking before God. And don't you be carried away with this free, liberalized, left-wing, politically correct church of the 2016 era, which is leading people to hell. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we must live right. We must have a passion for Christ again. We must live right. God is preparing a people. What for? To be like his son. God is bringing many sons to glory. Daughters to glory. God is bringing men and women to glory. Yes, we are saved by sovereign grace. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. It's not one thing of ourselves. Not one. Not one, but we'll look at this as well. It's not about justification, but sanctification. It's a difference here. There's a big difference. And nowadays, you see very little sanctification, but you hear lots and lots of preaching and talking of justification. The fruit of the Spirit will show sanctification. The works of the flesh will show nothing but degradation. Look at what it says in verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. Do you know whenever you and I are claiming to be in Christ, when you and I are claiming to be Christians, born again, blood-washed, blood-bought, spirit-filled believers, you know what we're saying? When I get saved, I died. I died. My will, my want, whatever I desired, died. It was crucified in Christ. You know why? Because your will, I even heard it in the Spirit. Your will and my will, your flesh and my flesh, it's rotten. It's deathly. But when we come to the Word of God, it's crucified in Christ and He carries it. It's more, Jesus on the cross is more than a man hanging on a tree, nice and daintily looking, hand and foot, and let's all bow down and adore the this little figure. He is Almighty God. 
He is holy. He is righteous. He is true. He is just. And he will be justified in all his ways. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us will give an account to the deeds done. Listen, in the body. In this life. I'll not stand before the judgment seat. Oh, it's the bema seat. Yes, you will. Christian, yes, you will. You won't stand before the great white throne of judgment for sinners. But you'll stand before the bema seat of Christ to give an account of how you lived your life. Now, notice what he says. If we live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, let of the Spirit, live in the Spirit. Order our lives in the Spirit, in other words. Let the Spirit lead us in everything and walk in the Spirit. Then it's also live in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Before I go any further, let's pray. Father, every one of us, we need you to speak to us. Lord, if that causes us concern, then let it concern us. If it causes us aggravation, let it aggravate us. If it causes us conviction, then let it convict us. If it causes us encouragement, then let it encourage us, Lord. We pray, Father, now in Jesus' name that you would speak to every single one of us and glorify your Son. In his name we ask it. Amen. Just while our heads are bowed, that's all. Just pause just for a couple of seconds. Will you say in your heart, Lord... Show me. Speak to me. This is for me. Stop saying it's for the man behind you or the woman in front of you or whoever beside you. Don't say it's for them on that side of the church and it's for those on the other side of the church. This is for me. Pray it in your heart, Lord. This is for me. Will you deal with me? Will you speak to me? Will you lead me? Will you convict me? Lord, I'm willing. I'm open. I'm wanting. Please, Lord, come and speak to me this morning. I'll give it all up. I'll let all down. I'll surrender myself to you. No matter what it costs. Just for a few seconds. Jesus. Jesus. Bless the Lord. Now let's look at the scriptures this morning. Let's look again at the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh, as I said, our last meeting, when I know it's been two weeks in between that we have missed out because of different meetings. But bringing it back to this, we started on the works of the flesh to expound them to us. What does it really mean? What are these works of the flesh? Galatians 5 Verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, revealed. They will become known. Our flesh can't help itself. In other words, it's depraved and it'll cry out for that which it wants until it gets it. Even if we know it's wrong. Even, even whenever we feel it's wrong. Even when we're convicted by it, it'll call again and want it. That's why it must be crucified. Brother, sister, be crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what Paul says, Galatians 2 and 20. He says, I'm dead and Christ lives in me. In other words, see this body, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. You're bought with a price. 
So whatever is manifest in us, whatever is produced out of us, will determine where we are with God. Are we saved or lost? Are we really his? Or are we not? Now the works of the flesh, notice plural, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. We looked at adultery the last time, and we say, well, maybe I haven't physically committed adultery. Yet the Lord Jesus in Matthew 5 and 28 says, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. If you can swap it over in her heart. In other words, the idea for the lust after her means to desire that which is not yours. It's forbidden. To desire that woman which is not yours is forbidden. To desire that man which is not yours, it's forbidden. It's adultery. Secondly, fornication was pornea. That's where we get pornography from. But it gives the idea, physically speaking, of illicit sexual relationships. Any of them. It gives the idea of, listen, homosexuality and lesbianism is under pornea. You can look it up. You can check me out. Under fornication. Incest is labeled with it. Bestiality is labeled with it. I have children that don't want to go into these things too much. And also, listen, sex outside of marriage, before marriage, labeled with homosexuality under the same word as lesbianism bestiality incest wow it's getting stronger isn't it uncleanness the third one uncleanness really gives the idea of someone who has laxed morals. We have looked at these in detail. I, I, I can't go into it, but um, uh, laxed morals who, whose morality is in the gutter nearly. Fourthly, lasciviousness is the word aselgia. And it means those who have no restraint in their lives. They're up for anything. No restraint, up for anything. We see it all the time. We hear it all the time. You can read it in those magazines. I don't read those magazines, but if you read them, you see it on the front covers in the shop or on the newspapers. You, it's on the news bulletins. It's, it's, it's through our streets and parade parades. It's, it, it's the idea of there's no restraint on men and women. Lasciviousness. Peter talked about it, Second Peter 2 and 7. The filthy conversation of the wicked, or the filthy conversation is, the word filthy means the unrestrained conversation. The word conversation means the lifestyle of the people, the manner of life, the conduct and the behavior which was unrestrained in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what Peter speaks of when he mentions the word. And then, of course, we've done that the last time. 
idolatry. Idolatry, Galatians 5 and 20 says that they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What is idolatry? It comes in many forms. Idolatry is an idolater who worships idols. One who worships a false god taking from the living God that which he alone deserves. Jesus said, when he took the coin, he says, whose image and superscription is this? It was Caesar, he says then, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the the things that are God unto God, didn't he? In other words, don't take what is God's and give it to others. Brothers and sisters, every time you're taking the blessing of God and you are allowing the world to invade it, every time you're taking the word of God and you're allowing the world to take it from you and you're not living in it, every time you're taking what the Spirit of God is saying to you, leading you as you're walking in it, and you're allowing the world to encroach in that, you're allowing idolatry to come in because it starts to overtake you. That's idolatry. You thought it was just going up to a little popey shrine, didn't you? And just bowing down before it. No. Idolatry in sports stars and idolatry in pop stars and idolatry in film stars and idolatry in, in our children. We can idolize our loved ones to the point where you're an idol. They take away the truth of the word of God. Jesus says, he that loveth mother and father more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he says, if you place them before me, you're an idolater. Wow. Is that not serious? Is that not serious? I love my children with all my heart. All my heart. They're my life. And I love my wife with all my heart. She's my life. And they're here and they hear me and they don't. But he's first. Did you hear me, brother? Sister? No matter what, he's first. His word and his truth is first. And then, not the church, then my wife and children. Then my wife and children. Then the church. For if I cannot... Rule right, and I say rule, I mean in righteousness and in love with my family. How can I then take charge of a church? Idolatry means taking from God and giving it to whatever else. Your time, your time, brothers and sisters, your the effort, the Every, we put so much into our, our things in life and our hobbies. And, and, look, and I'm not saying you have things or hobbies or sports or whatever, but we put so much into it and God gets so little. And if God gets an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, well, he's done well, aren't you? Lucky God. You're a blessed God indeed. I turned up for you. Isn't that true? The Lord says you're an idolater. What about Monday? What about Tuesday? What about Wednesday? What about Thursday? What about Friday? What about Saturday? What about Sunday night? What about all day? This is the Lord's day, not a holiday. It's a holy day. Every day is a holy day. Here he says that idolatry is this. Brothers and sisters, I want you to catch this. 
I've been trying to live this, and the more I try to live like this, the harder I'm finding it, because he's showing me even more. And you're having to say, and the Lord's going right now, this is what I'm speaking of. And you're going, I know what you're talking about that, my Lord. Yeah, this is who I'm telling you about. I'm not talking about that, my Lord. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to give up. No, but Lord, you're not talking to me about that. It's about somebody else or for someone else. Come on. Wow, serious? I'm glad there's so many in the house of God this morning. I'm glad to have such a filled house this morning because if there's only a half a church, not that we usually get a half a church, but if there's only a half a church, then I'd feel we we're missing out. This is the most honest, precious thing you'll hear. Brothers and sisters, if I can stand here and fill you full of candy floss and you'll think it's lovely and you'll think it's sweet and you'll think it's beautiful and you'll go home and you'll not want to eat the real meat and you'll be sick. When you eat the meat, you thrive. You're strong. This is meat. Notice this. Idolatry is those who take from God and give their time, their effort, and their reverence, their heart. And you know what happens? Man and woman fall out of love with Christ. Their heart has turned from him. And they become an idolater of other things. That's what Israel did. Their heart turned from the living God to false idols. Their heart turned away and they started worshiping other things. An idolater, listen, an idolater is a slave to the depraved ideas that the person's idol represents. I want you to get that. I want you to write it down if you can. I want you to get this CD or download it, do something, and take it and say, Lord, where am I? Listen, an idolater is a slave to the depraved ideas the idolater and his idol represents. See that the poverty of our minds thinks, well, I can do this, and I'm living in a cloak of liberty. And the Lord says, no, no. Now listen, you know me. I believe in eternal security in Christ. I believe that with all my heart because he keeps me. But I don't believe you can live wrong and die right. I don't believe it. The church of Jesus Christ, the church of God needs a shake. Waking up. Waking up, brothers and sisters. He's coming. Waking up. An idolater is a slave to the depraved idea he and his idol represents, and so it leads to various lusts. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3 and verse 5. He says, Mortify, kill, put to death. Mortify, kill, put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication. We've looked at it. Uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil. I'm going to say a word here from Galatians, or Colossians rather, 3 and 5. And if my memory serves me out, not so long ago I was visiting Mrs. Beatty in her home. And she was teaching me this word. Because I can't get my, my tongue around it every time. I'm going to try my best, Mrs. Beatty. If not, I may come back for further lessons. She was able to teach me, and I, I was going, how do you, I don't know how to say it. Evil, <laughs> hold on this round thing, I've just lost it now. Evil concupiscence, is that it? You taught me well, there you are. 
Evil concupiscence. I always say concupiscency and I couldn't get it out. Evil concupiscence. And covetousness, which is idolatry. In other words, covetousness here simply means greed. 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 People are greedy. 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 Greedy for money. Greedy for position. Greedy for everything. And he says, you're an idol. That's an idol. That's an idol. You're an idolater. That's what it means. I notice this. See the word evil? Concupiscence. It's not right. Concupiscence. Turn with me briefly. I am going to have to do another more than this because I'm not even a third away through these. Turn with me to Mark's Gospel. I was just up early this morning and I was just sort of thinking about some of this and I just jotted this down briefly. Go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 7 and listen to what the Lord Jesus says in verse 21, 22 and 23. For from within, out of the heart of men. I notice, for from within, out of the heart of men. Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. My brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus said that. Now listen, see the word evil mentioned three times. First time is in verse uh, 21. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts. See the word evil there? It's a word kakos. And it means wrong, base, destructive, wicked, harmful, pernicious, troublesome, wrong, injurious, bad-natured thoughts from within the heart. In other words, whatever is within will come out. True colors are shown. The real person who they are. Wow. Now listen to this. This is what the Lord is saying. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, wrong, base, destructive, wicked, harmful, pernicious, troublesome, injurious, bad-natured thoughts come from within men and women. The idea is is, uh, that one is uh, in this state and is happy to live in it because they're just always a miserable person. They just always want to be aggressive. They want to stay in a better condition. Listen, brothers and sisters, see if you want to stay in a better condition, you can stay in a better condition. If you want out of a better condition, then you can get out of a better condition. It's called the Holy Ghost. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Now listen to this. Listen, I know God is speaking this morning. Listen to it. The word here, kakos, that means all these things, destructive and evil thoughts and, and, and wicked thoughts and pernicious, harmful, troublesome thoughts. 
Notice what the, it, it says then in verse 22. Also comes out thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye. Evil thoughts, evil eye. You know, we would say, ah, oh, he was giving me the evil eye, you know. She gave me the evil eye. This is where it comes from. And the word evil here is the word porneros. Turns different than kakos. It's a different word for evil, but it still means the same type of thing. For example, the Lord Jesus teaching the, the disciples to pray, said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And deliver us from evil. But the word poneros there means deliver us from the evil one. The evil one. It changes here. Now this is important. For within every man and woman's depraved heart, the ability to idolatize, to go into idolatry and to idolatrize. But then as the evil eye here turns, where it starts to manifest presence. Their evil nature takes place and starts to manifest out. Now notice this. The word here, what the Lord uses, poneros, it gives the idea of someone who isn't happy unless they pull others into the same condition. That's what it means. You know, the old evil eye, I'm going to get you. When I get you, I'll make you better like me. Say, devil. He says, the devil. See the difference? So whatever's in you, he'll pull out of you. Whatever's in you, he'll pull out of you. So what are you manifesting? It's simple as that, isn't it? What are you manifesting? What are you manifesting in your life? Yes, there's righteous anger. Absolutely. Be angry and sin not. Absolutely. You're right to be angry at the right things, at the right people at the right time, but not at the wrong ones. And then it's mentioned the third time in verse 23. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. And it's the word poneros again. It's the same word. These things are coming, they're pulled out because the devil will play on the real you. Hello? On the old man. On the old woman. The one who doesn't really know God. Who wants to live without Christ who's religious maybe and puts on a show. And he'll pull it out of you. See, there's tares and weeds. There's tares in every church and there's wheat. So, I have to wrap this up. There's time's flown already. Let me do one, one or two brief little points just to get us along for the next time let me just do one or two brief little points here so that's idolatry next one is witchcraft witchcraft and the word witchcraft is pharmakia or pharmakia it's where we get our word pharmacy (laughs) Paul is a pharmacist (laughs) you're all right, Paul (laughs) 
I have to watch myself when it comes to medical terms between these nurses and midwives and doctors and, and pharmacists and paramedics. I don't know, there's everything. GPs, general practitioners and everything here. Uh, I have to watch myself here. But yes, it means pharmacia is where we get our word pharmacy from. But it gives the idea of enchantment with drugs. Enchantment with drugs. I do a teaching sometime. You know when you see in the medical service, you'll see it looks like a knife with wings and a serpent going up their symbol. Do you know it comes from Babylonian worship? They used to believe there was healing power in snakes, so they lay down and let the snakes rather over them, and that became an occult form of healing, that they thought it was healing. I suppose if they got bitten, they'd find out it wasn't right, but... I don't know why they've why they done that. But that's where that comes from. I'll teach you about these things sometimes. Sometime. So witchcraft, farming, anybody who's an enchantment with drugs, young people, listen. Young people. Young people, listen. Taking drugs and going to a nightclub is Witchcraft. Taking drugs and going to a nightclub or wherever you may go with it is not only dangerous, it's witchcraft in the eyes of God. You're no better than a witch. And lastly, number seven, this will be us almost halfway through these. Hatred. Hatred. The word hatred here is the word ekthra. And we say It's enmity against God, or the enemy of God. In other words, the word here for hatred being ekthra, it means it is the exact opposite, the juxtaposition point away from God, as far away as you can get, as it were. In other words, here is agape love of God. We'll look at it in the Lord's will the next time we're on the subject. Here is the agape love of God, the love called out of God's heart by you. Here it is, and here is the agape love that God places in those who are Christ's one for himself, that we would love God, that we, our love would be called out of our hearts for Christ and our hearts for one another, and away at the far end of the scale, all these other little ups and downs and bumps and chasms and hills and mountains and valleys and highs and lows, right at the end of it, of hatred, is Akthra. And here he says, out of your flesh comes Akthra. Tell you what it means here. It's a plural word meaning hatred, hostility in whatever form it manifests and far away from God as possible. You are capable of it in your flesh. Do you see when you and I are acting in the flesh, know what you're saying? I'm your enemy. Wow. I'm your enemy. God, I'm your enemy. Just at this point in time, I'm your enemy. Because I won't walk in your spirit. I won't be led by your spirit. That's what it means. Aren't you glad you've got the grace of God? Aren't you glad he loves you? Aren't you glad the blood of Jesus covers you and cleanses you? See, that's who we really are. 
We're sinners saved by grace. That's who we all are. Every time. See, now that's grace where we deserve punishment. We deserve to be lost forever. Burning in a lake of fire and brimstone. We deserve that. But great love has found us at the cross. Great grace came down and embodied itself in the person of Christ. He is full of grace and truth. And yes, you and I, maybe so many moments in a day, in whatever way possible our flesh takes over, and that's what we deserve. But when he looks at us and we're in Christ, he sees us in him. He sees us in his son. We read in James 4, the friendship of the world is enmity with God or the enemy of God. We read that in one of the earlier meetings that we've done this teaching on. Brothers and sisters, this is what it means for you to align yourself with the things of the world and to be accustomed with them. You are saying, to God, you're my enemy. And we all do it at some point, place and time in our temperaments or our moods or whatever way we do it. We all do it sometimes. And that's not what Paul's speaking of here. He says that when we continually walk like that, when we continually be like that, when we continually Act and walk in the works of the flesh, he says. You're saying continually, I'm your enemy. I'm your enemy. Backslider, you're saying, I'm your enemy. Is it any wonder the backslider is filled with his own ways? Everything he hates, he hates, she hates about God. And if you're his enemy, then they're your enemy. God bless us, Martyrs. Let's go home in the grace of God and be grateful. Thank you, Jesus.